Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded May 3rd, 2023. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week in the podcast, we're tackling the debt ceiling. Two big things you need to know. First, we see debt ceiling drama as a contributor to weakness in U.S. equity markets this year, though we ultimately expect a deal. This was a hot topic in our meetings with U.K. investors last week. Second, we see healthcare as one of the most vulnerable sectors in the short term, but would ultimately be buyers on weakness. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Now the details. We'll start out with takeaway number one. We've viewed debt ceiling drama as a contributor to weakness in the U.S. equity markets this year, though we do ultimately expect a deal. We spent last week in the U.K. speaking with equity and derivatives investors about our views on U.S. equity markets. Surprisingly, the hot topic most wanted to discuss was the U.S. debt ceiling. This was true even before McCarthy's bill passed the House. Most of the investors we spoke with did have a negative view on the U.S. and saw the debt ceiling as something that stood a reasonable chance of sparking a pullback in U.S. equities. We don't agree with our U.K.-based clients on their negative view on the U.S. We feel more neutral. But the debt ceiling is one issue where we do have some common ground. In our discussions last week, we revisited the work we published back in late February when we found it was difficult to get our New York City-based hedge fund clients to even pay attention to the issue. Our main conclusion remains that U.S. equities have been highly sensitive to debt ceiling headlines in the past and do have a role to play in getting Congress to come to an agreement this year. We took a look back at how the S&P 500 traded around major events associated with the various debt ceiling dramas dating back to 2011, and we have a few key lessons that we learned. Lesson number one, the worst debt ceiling dramas for stocks occurred when angst was already high in financial markets for other reasons, and declines ranged from 10 to 19%. 2011's 19% drop, for instance, occurred when fear regarding the European sovereign debt crisis also was running high. The nearly 12% drop in the late summer of 2015 occurred against the backdrop of rising recession fears. And the 10% drop in early 2018 occurred alongside the unwind of the low vol trade. The second lesson, in other periods when there wasn't nearly as much drama in financial markets overall, S&P 500 losses around major debt ceiling developments were more modest in the 2-7% range, with most of those amounting to about 5-7%. We saw this in 2013-2014, as well as 2019. And in 2021, when Congress had a difficult time getting to agreement, even though Democrats controlled everything, it took a 5% hit to markets to get Congress to act. Back in February of this year, a 5 to 6% hit was the scenario we thought was most likely for this year. But the loss of confidence from the recent banking crisis has increased the likelihood of a more significant breakdown of 10% or more in our view. That's not our base case, but its chances have risen in our minds. The third lesson, there were several instances in which the stock market didn't react much to the first round of warnings on the debt ceiling, but sold off around the second wave of warnings. That feels like where we are today. Last week, investors seemed unnerved about the idea that the X date estimate was moving up. On Tuesday of this week, Yellen's letter proved their fears were well-founded when she indicated that the X date would be June 1st, even earlier than the July timing the investors we were speaking with last week were talking about. Ultimately, we see a debt ceiling-induced pullback as a buying opportunity for stocks. But for now, the issue argues against raising our year-end S&P 500 price target of 4100 Let's move on to takeaway number two. We do see health care as one of the most vulnerable sectors to debt ceiling drama in the short term, but would be buyers on weakness. 
One question that kept coming up last week was what sectors would be most vulnerable in a debt ceiling-related drawdown. We referenced our February work in which we reviewed debt ceiling commentary in recent company press releases, transcripts, and filings. The footnotes of financial statements were surprisingly useful. That exercise indicated that healthcare was one of the sectors citing the issue most as a risk factor. This was due to higher exposure to government spending programs, reimbursement concerns, and FDA clinical trial exposure. Industrials was another, mostly aerospace and defense, which exposure to government spending programs was also highlighted. Banks had also been highlighting the issue, but more in the context of the matter creating problems for financial markets. To provide some additional context, we've taken a quantitative look at how the level of discussion on the debt ceiling today compares to the past. This work suggests to us that debt ceiling worries have spiked for corporate America again. The level of chatter is closing in on but hasn't quite reached 2011 levels, the worst debt ceiling drama in recent history when the S&P lost 19%. And it's also right back at 2013-2014 levels, which was another big spike of concern in the past, but a more modest hit to the market. In terms of sectors and industry, healthcare commentary has moved back to 2011 and 2013-14 levels. That's also the case for aerospace and defense. By contrast, banks are talking about the issue much, much more than they did back in 2011 and 2013-2014. While we haven't had a strong view on aerospace and defense companies and prefer to stay on the sidelines with banks for now, the debt ceiling admittedly complicates our constructive view on healthcare. We've been overweight healthcare and have been pointing out recently that the sector has become the most reasonably valued defensive in the S&P 500. Other things we've liked about the sector have included constructive views from our analyst teams and the improvement we've been seeing in earnings revision trends for the S&P 500 version of the sector. Given the higher level of risk disclosure, we suspect healthcare would not act defensively in a debt ceiling-driven drawdown. But given our expectation that a deal will eventually be reached and the reasonableness of current valuations, we'd use any debt ceiling weakness as a buying opportunity. Before we wrap up, one last thought. Another question we kept getting last week, which frankly has continued into this week, was how worried we are that Washington won't end up getting a debt ceiling deal done. Ultimately, we do think there will be resolution. Polling data suggests that while American voters don't like the idea of raising the debt ceiling, they dislike the idea of the U.S. defaulting on its debts even more and don't appear to have much of an appetite for major cuts to spending program like Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid, or even defense spending. Neither Republicans nor Democrats will want to be blamed for failure here heading into an election year. But we also think the potential for major drama is higher this time around, given the thin margin in the House, the structural difficulties McCarthy has maintaining his leadership, the fact that both parties think they have a chance to win control in 2024 and are likely to keep their heels dug in, and the low chances that Democrats will give in to McCarthy's demands to cut spending for their biggest legislative wins like the IRA. The path to compromise has been extremely difficult to see this time around, increasing the need in our mind for the stock market to throw a temper tantrum to get Congress and the White House to do the right thing. We are excited the two sides are finally talking with a bipartisan meeting set for May 9th. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.